Hello, and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence here in Oregon, and Chief Clinical Officer for Work To Be Well. In today's episode, we're going to break down how to identify and overcome uncomfortable relationships. I know I've had them. I bet you've had them. And we've got some of our National Student Advisory Council members from the Work To Be Well uh, program to talk with you about uncomfortable relationships and how to work with them. First, as a reminder, the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied, to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Okay, let's get started by having each of you introduce yourself, where you're from, why this topic matters to you. Mohammed, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Mohammed Shadid. Uh, I'm a senior in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And this topic is rather important to me because I've seen uh, many relationships in my life um, have many struggles and people don't know how to work through them. And I think it's important to discuss how to have a good trust in uh, basic fundamentals in any relationship. Awesome. Haley, how about you? Hi, everyone. My name is Haley, and I'm a junior in high school from Seattle, Washington. This topic is important for me because while I haven't personally been in an unhealthy relationship, I know of several people around me who have and were not aware that they were in an unhealthy relationship while they were in this relationship. So for me, I feel like it's an important topic to discuss so that people will be able to identify some red flags in their relationship. Awesome. And Peyton. Yeah. Hi, guys. My name is Peyton. I'm from Sherwood, Oregon. I'm a senior. Um, This topic is important to me because it's something I've struggled with in the past, and I hope to share some insight. Well, so you all bring up some pretty good good thoughts about healthy and unhealthy relationships. Let's, Let's start by how do you know the difference between what's healthy and what's unhealthy? What's that look like? Yeah, I can start. So for me, I feel that in a healthy relationship, there is respect between partners and also honesty between partners. So for respect, partners treat each other like how they want to be treated and they don't say stuff that will put each other down. And for honesty, they're willing to share how they feel with each other and are comfortable enough to share their feelings or their thoughts with each other without worrying about the other side judging you. And for unhealthy relationships, some of the characteristics that I believe are um, dishonesty or disrespect. So for example, if a partner is sharing their feelings about a certain issue or are just feeling upset because of a bad day, the other partner just tries to downplay that partner's like feelings. Like for example, if a partner is saying, oh, I had a bad day at work and so the other partner would say, oh, this is just normal. Like, I don't understand why you're being like sad. So I think that's what an unhealthy relationship is. I think Um, that- I can uh, can go now. Um, Haley, I agree. I also think that honesty and respect is a big part of healthy relationships. I think that healthy relationships also have similar moral codes So like people who are in a relationship will have similar moral values and they'll have a certain sense of like accountability and respect. So when you are in that healthy relationship, you will make sure that you support the person that you're with. 
were in unhealthy relationships, maybe there'll be like this lack of investment or um, not entirely mutual respect. And that can lead to unhealthy relationships, um, especially if maybe you sacrifice like certain things you morally believe in, and that can lead to more unhealthy. Yeah, I think the most basic difference that it boils down to is that in healthy ones, there's effective and strong communication. Uh, people are able to understand each other very well. But then in unhealthy ones, there's a lack of communication, which leads to misunderstandings, which are the basis for a majority of arguments in almost all relationships. You know, I don't think anybody sets out in this life to go out and go, I am going to get myself in an unhealthy relationship. Now, there are some people who probably do do that, especially if it's somebody you've been with before and it was unhealthy before and you go, no, it's going to be great this time. But but most people start out in a healthy relationship that they think is healthy and it takes a turn for the worse. How do you think that happens? How does a healthy relationship become dysfunctional? For me personally, I believe that a healthy when a healthy relationship takes a turn for the worse and becomes an unhealthy relationship is when one partner tries to start exerting control over the other partner. So for example, that's when one partner tries to make all the decisions and tells the other partner what to do. Like for example, telling the other person what to wear, who to, controlling who they spend time with, like preventing their partner from spending time with their friends or even their family. And also this can also lead to intimidation when one partner tries to control every aspect of the other's life. And they might even threaten to act violent or break up with the partner if they don't spend time with them. So these are some of the reflects that I think we can identify when a healthy relationship takes a turn for the worse. Yeah, um, I also think that relationships can take a turn for the worse when you sort of sacrifice how you're willing other people to treat you. Like if you let people treat you more poorly, then you might let more stuff slide and that might snowball and escalate to a point where it becomes very unhealthy. And like how Muhammad said, I think communication is a huge factor into how these relationships can escalate and become unhealthy. I think uh, when boundaries are overstepped in relationships, that's when it become when it starts to become uh, more toxic and unhealthy. And I think that's because of a lack of determining those boundaries at the onset of relationships. So that causes uh, that causes there to be greater room for instances where greater control uh, is exerted, as Haley mentioned, than it should be. You know, it's interesting that you guys talk about control issues and, and controlling behavior. Because I do think that's that's one of those really big problems in a relationship uh, when somebody's controlling and saying, you know, even the little snide comments about how you're dressing and, you know, I really like it better when you wear X, Y, Z. Now, there's there's part of this that can be, you know, the normal part of what someone favors. But when it really becomes controlling, that's a big difference. And it's a really super slippery slope. What are some things that that you can't tolerate in a relationship? One of the things I can't tolerate in a relationship is I can't tolerate dishonesty. That's one of my big red flags is if somebody's dishonest, even about the little things, that tells me this probably isn't the relationship with for me. Um, what are some things for you? For me, some of the things I can't tolerate in a relationship is when 
my partner tries to kind of invade my privacy in a sense that he tries to take my phone or check all my texts and well, all my social media and tries to like insert himself into all aspects of my life without leaving me with any privacy to live my own life or to just hang out with my friends. And also when he tries to control the decisions I make, like for example, what I choose to wear, what I prefer to wear, and also the people I like to hang out with, like my friends and my family. Oh yeah. Uh, for me, I think it's uh, when there is, when uh, communication can't be uh, a part of a relationship. Um, when there's like misunderstandings and conversations can't be held around about them, I think that's a big, uh, that's something I can't tolerate personally. Yeah, and for me too, I think distrust is kind of a line in the sand that I can't tolerate. And then when there's that lack of communication, when you're not on the same page as the person, and then it kind of creates to them being more controlling. I just, that's something I can't tolerate in a relationship. Well, thinking about those things that, that you can't tolerate, when they start to happen and you start to feel uncomfortable, um, are there are there boundaries you can set? I mean, I know for me, I call people out on it. And sometimes it is just a mistake. Sometimes it's a misunderstanding. And that could be okay. But what do you do when a relationship starts to get uncomfortable? Do you do you ditch it right away? Do you set boundaries? What do you guys do? I think you have to explain the uncomfortable factors and set boundaries right away uh, to ensure that the same thing doesn't repeat in the future. And it's I think it's very, very important to have a conversation and ensure that the other person understands why you were uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I think it's important that you don't let the little things slide early on in a relationship, because if you let the small things build up, then the person will become more comfortable maybe treating you poorly. And so I think it's important to set those boundaries early on before they become bad habits. Yeah, I completely agree with what Payan and Muhammad have said. I feel that communication and also setting, setting boundaries early in a relationship is really important because if there are no boundaries set or if there isn't proper communication between partners, it's going to be easier for a healthy relationship to take a turn for the worse and become an unhealthy one. And later on in a relationship, it's also going to be harder to set these boundaries if proper communication is not established between both partners. You know, it's it's interesting because there's there's like, I think there's uncomfortable relationships. There's also those awkward relationships that sometimes are aren't necessarily un uncomfortable. They're just kind of, well, they're new, they're strange, there might be other things that make them awkward. How do you know the difference between something that's truly unhealthy and uncomfortable and something that's just kind of off, kind of awkward, kind of maybe not there yet? That's a good question because I think especially um, in our generation, it's difficult to identify differences between awkward and uncomfortable. Um, but I would say that awkward, you still feel like you have control over yourself. You're not being influenced by others in a way you don't want to be, as Haley mentioned. And there is still room to have um, some sort of communication, even if it is awkward to have it still available to have it. I think in a lot of uncomfortable and toxic relationships, there isn't any room for that at all. Yeah, and I think you can address that by having those conversations with those people and trying to build a more of a connection than that awkward beginning stage of a relationship. I think 
doing things with those people, maybe one-on-one or in groups, just like building a better connection, you can kind of see if you have more of a close relationship with them, or maybe if they do have more of that dominating, controlling sort of dynamic in a relationship. You know, when we're thinking about these awkward and uncomfortable relationships, there are often red flags that just pop up and, and are like the no-go type things. And, and I can think um, a couple of red flags that I've had, you know, even in friendships, one of my big red flags is comes down to when I go and hang out with friends, um, have you ever had that friend who isn't like upfront about their finances and all of a sudden you find yourself stuck with bills you didn't expect and, and you know, maybe you go uh, out to dinner and, and it's not a place you normally would have gone, but you find yourself stuck with the bill. That's a, that's a red flag in a friendship because friendships are relationships too. Um, what are some red flags that you've seen and perhaps in your friendships that make you go, maybe this person isn't someone I want in my life? So some of the red flags that I've identified in some friendships is an increase in jealousy in some of my friends. So for example, if I start to hang out with a different group of friends, that friend would start getting jealous or mad that I'm not spending enough time with them. And so they will try to make me feel uncomfortable and try to kind of guilt trip me into hanging out with them. And I think jealousy is something that is really important to talk about because many people are, it's something that will kind of cultivate in a relationship, even though it might not be evident at first, but kind of into the relationship, like a few months or a few years into the relationship, it might start to become evident. And so it's important for us to recognize signs of jealousy as a red flag. That's a good one. That's a good one. What are some other red flags? I think that another common one is when people are two-faced. Um, they act different around you versus with others. And then that leads to backbiting, um, which is a terrible trait to have in any friendship or relationship. And I think if you can identify that early on and then get out of that relationship or talk to that person about uh, those harmful traits and let them know that you know uh, what they're doing so that uh, you can try and stop them from it or escape a toxic relationship early on. That was good. Um, kind of jumping off of that, I think that it's important to know when people might have more of a selfish motivation in a relationship and try to know how well, they can benefit from a relationship with you. And this can be seen in them like just talking about themselves or like venting to you and you're like a therapy friend for them or maybe they're flaky and they don't value your time. And so like, they just, they don't care if like your time isn't valued um, or maybe they're on their phone all the time. I think it's just important to know, like it's a mutual relationship. I love that term therapy friend. It just, it encompasses so much in that, you know, that you're always just, you're always that person and, and wow. And you can never rely on that person to, to be, there's not balance in that relationship. Um, you know, one of my favorite topics in talking about relationships is conflict. A lot of people I know are conflict avoidant. They don't like conflict. They think conflict's bad. I actually think conflict's healthy. And I think conflict in a relationship helps us learn more, uh, helps us grow deeper with people because we get to solve it and we get to work through conflict. 
when you think about conflicts in your relationships and and we all have them, they're going to happen. Uh, what what do you how do you resolve conflicts? And, you know, how do you advise and, and practice and what do you think about when you're resolving conflict in your relationship? I, for me, most importantly, when there's conflicts in a relationship, I think it's important to have a conversation between both partners and to really maintain a calm and respectful demeanor during these conversations. Because if any of us were to get mad at our partner during these conversations, we wouldn't really solve the problem or the conflict at hand. And it might just escalate the problem and um, hurt the relationship between both parties even further. And so I think it's important to practice good conversations and have been calm during these conversations because only when you're calm, you're able to think properly and really solve the conflict you have at hand. And as compared to like a heated conversation, you're just going off based on your anger and you might not really be able to properly think of effective solutions or solutions to the conflicts. So I think having... A respectful conversation is important to overcome conflicts in a relationship. I'm glad we're bringing up this point about how conflicts are important because they strengthen relationships and prove whether they'll be able to stand the test of time. And I think another thing that's important rather than just having a conversation is taking time after a conflict escalates and tensions are high, uh, just to be like with yourself, with your emotions, to allow yourself to express them and feel them and to also allow tensions to decrease, um, which will allow you to have a more sensible and logical uh, conversation later on. And then that way more conflicts can be reduced. But I think having a little bit of time is important, but not too much where the conflict is uh, unresolved after a little bit and there's still underlying uh, problems. Yeah, and then I think it's important that when you have these hard conversations, you kind of know what you're going to say before you go into it. So you know what you want to get out of the conversation instead of it going nowhere. And then going into that conversation, being open-minded and not having one outcome in mind, but just wanting to know where you're at and how you can maybe work through whatever your what the struggle is in the relationship. And so I think that's just important when you have those conversations. You know, it's interesting that that we talk about taking time and taking that break. I, I don't know if this has ever happened with any of you. I know it happens. Uh, it happens sometimes with me where somebody who I'm in a really tight relationship with, um, I will find it easier to get mad at them than it is to get mad at the person that I'm mad at. And we have a term for that in therapy. We call that transference. When we, you know, transfer our emotions onto somebody else, when, when really... You know, we probably need to be uh, talking directly to the right person. But do you ever find yourself in situations where um, it's easier to maybe get mad? And this happens a lot with parents, too. It's easier to get mad at your parents than it is to get mad at your friends. And what do you do when all of a sudden you realize that you're mad at the wrong person? How do you how do you make amends for that? I think it's easier to get uh, mad at people you're in closer relationships with because you expect them to understand you more and to feel what you feel in a sense all the time. Um, but obviously that doesn't always happen and can't always happen. So I think understanding that notion and realizing that the people you're closest with want the best for you and love you more than 
anyone else uh, out of your inner circle. And I think that can help uh, reduce anger directed uh, or this transference. You know, one of the other things that happens is that oftentimes we get in relationships and settings where you can't avoid somebody that you have a difficult relationship, especially when you're related to them. And it's really difficult when you got to go to that family function, you got to go to that thing, you got to go and see people, whether it's at school, it's at home, it's at work, wherever it is. How do you cope when you can't avoid somebody that makes you uncomfortable? What do you do? For me, if I were to be in a similar setting of someone that I'm uncomfortable with, whether it's like a cousin or like a friend, I think what I would do is to stick with people that I feel comfortable with so that I can actually get a sense of awareness that I'm not alone and not having to face this person that I'm uncomfortable uncomfortable with alone. And if I were to be with people I'm comfortable with, I would feel more willing to go to these functions or go to school and I wouldn't really be affected as much by the person. So I would feel a lot better knowing that there's people around me that I can depend on and feel a lot more supported. Yeah, I love that, Haley, to gravitate towards the people that you would have a good time with. I think that's really important. I think you could also try to keep busy at whatever function you might be at. Like if you're at school, focus on your schoolwork. If you're at like that family function, maybe focus on like the food or like helping out, you know, just trying to keep busy so you aren't being distracted. But if you do end up having an inevitable conversation with that person, just making sure you're being kind and civil and not trying to be escalate the situation anyway. I, I think it's good that we're bringing up the reality that some of uh, some of these interactions are inevitable because that's just the case for many people. Uh, so trying to keep the conversations abrupt, uh, civil as Payton said uh, too, and respectful, um, and just trying to move along as quickly as possible. That way you can reduce the, the discomfort you yourself feel. That's a good point. That's a super good point. So when we think about, you know, some of our listeners and some of our people who are struggling with those uncomfortable relationships, and I'm sure many of you out there have been reflecting on your own uncomfortable relationships. Let's talk about how, what advice you guys have, you know, how do you operationalize this? How do you have a crucial conversation with someone? How do you, how do you even know how to begin? For me, I feel that before you actually have like a proper conversation with the person you're uncomfortable with, I think it's important to really think about their root problem at hand and also think about how you want to go about solving this problem. So, for example, if you're having a conflict with a friend who's, let's say, just that you're hanging out with another friend, I think it's important to find out the reason why your friend is acting this way and also trying to find a middle ground so that both parties are not overly upset about a matter and it can also kind of help to resolve the conflict at hand and I also wanted to say that I really um, stand with everyone that's facing going through difficult relationships and if you ever need help I would say that just to turn to someone that you trust and like a family member or a trusted friend I think talking to someone that 
you trust and feel comfortable with is also really important in helping you work through these difficult relationships or conflicts. Understanding too that it's important to understand too that you don't know everything. Um, know what you don't know is an important concept. Um, you don't know what's causing the root of these uncomfortable problems and issues. So trying to explore them. Uh, and if that's not possible, knowing that you were able to have a conversation is a good, uh, is something good and it's progress. And then also trying to have a third witness or party present during these conversations in case things do escalate, uh, there's some someone or something able to mediate um, them. Yeah, I think that these conversations look different for each situation they're for each situation that they're based on i think it's important to have a clear mind going into it and to not um get too frustrated um and to know that at the end of the day like if they want to put more energy into the relation the relationship they'll put more energy into it and try to work with you but if they don't then maybe that's not somebody that should be in your life as much so just being mindful of how it impacts you you know, that's a really good point because we don't often uh, think about the fact that having a difficult relationship and that there are times that you're going to have difficult relationships that you're kind of stuck with because they're a relative, might be a sibling or something like that, somebody that you have to deal with all of the time. How you make sure that you take care of yourself in that becomes really super important. Do you think people can go from having an unhealthy relationship to a healthy relationship, is that possible? Absolutely. Um, as long as problems can be solved with effective communication in many cases, and the root cause of many of these uncomfortable relationships is a lack of understanding or misunderstandings. So being able to resolve them, uh, set those boundaries when you're trying to establish new, relation new healthy relationships uh, can be very effective in sustaining them over a long period of time. Other thoughts about that? I think it's definitely possible to grow from an unhealthy relationship into a healthy one, but I think it largely depends on the people in the relationship and if they're willing to have maybe more of those hard conversations and work through what they might struggle with. I think if both people are willing to work on that, I think it definitely could happen. But I don't know. I think it just depends on the people in the situation and maybe what has happened in the situation already and to make sure that there wouldn't be any repercussions or, you know, the things that went bad would resurface and making sure that they'd be able to work through that again. I completely agree with what Peyton and Muhammad have said. I think that it's, it also depends on the person that's involved, the people who are involved in the conflict and also the content or the cause of the conflict itself. But I also believe that with strong communication and understanding, like what Muhammad has said, it's definitely possible to restore an unhealthy relationship into a healthy relationship into a healthy relationship if both parties are willing to put in the effort to really care about the issue and try to solve the conflict at hand. You know, I think it's really important to remember that relationships can grow and change over time. And people are allowed to mature and learn and be different. And that's okay. I mean, we all need grace sometimes. Um, I know that there are people that I've not gotten along with in the past that have worked through and even just sometimes time can be a great healer for that. 
So having grace for everybody, especially, especially nowadays, I mean, there doesn't seem to be a lot of grace out there, especially when we disagree about core values and things like that. How we can figure out how to have more grace with each other um, is probably going to help us all live a whole lot longer. Any last thought about relationships uh, before we wrap up today that anybody wants to share? Just along your lines to keep trying to have conversations, uh, keep attempting to work through it. And if there comes a point where you know that uh, there is no room for improvement, there is no room for growth, uh, which is the case, um, then step away uh, in a peaceful manner if you can. That way you can reduce future conflicts or problems and understand that it, it isn't your fault. Uh, in many cases with uncomfortable relationships. Uh, sometimes it's just uh, two people don't always work together in a relationship or they're not compatible, I think is a better way of saying it. Well, I wanna thank you all for joining me on Talk To Be Well today and for lending your voice to a conversation about how we overcome uncomfortable relationships. If you are looking for support with your mental health or any other medical questions, please visit us at providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, check us out at worktobewell.org. That's work2bewell.org. We have some great resources there about how to have a crucial conversation right there in our curriculum that might have some other pointers and tips for you as well. I am your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, and this has been Talk To Be Well. Be well, everybody.